This week on the podcast, it's Big Alien Gorilla Wolf, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crap all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Welcome everyone once again to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. My name is Brian, and this week my friends Chris and Eric will join me to revisit a movie that I hadn't seen. Another one of those ones from the, well I guess this one's a little bit into the 2010s, but it's another one of those movies that just kind of passed me by, and I'm... We got a podcast, and this is my excuse to watch stuff I haven't watched. So, hey, we're going to do Joe Cornish's uh, low-budget alien monster movie, Attack the Block, starring Finn from Star Wars and Doctor Who, or, or otherwise known as John Boyega and Jodie Whittaker. But anyway, um, check the show notes for timestamps. Uh, check the, you know, if you want to skip around find different sections we've also got some pretty good fresh shit we're doing spider-man uh, across the spider-verse and uh fast x this week and uh as always if you uh, like the show please subscribe to the podcast share it on your social media feeds rate it on itunes and if you want to reach out to us all our socials are on our website maghuge.com m-a-g-h-u-g-e.com there you can find our twitter our facebook blah 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 and you can always email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com all right, let's do the show. Welcome back to the Magnificently Huge Podcast, still the only podcast that gets me to wake up on a Sunday morning every other Sunday. I'm Eric. <laughs> Hi, Eric. Hey, Eric. This is Brian, and just just pointing out that it is only morning technically uh, where Eric is. Yeah, and this is Chris, and it's afternoon where I am most of the time. Did you just wake Tec- up, Chris? Technically uh, means yeah. really. Yeah, <laughs> technically. All I'm going to say is, when the shit goes down, you better be ready. When the shit goes down. <laughs> I've been listening to some Cypress Hill lately, so I've been in my brain. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite Cypress Hill song? I guess oh, you just see. did it, because I don't know any other. Yeah, oh, Eric. Insane you, in the Membrane is the only other one that like I can even pull right oh, now. You guys, you disappoint me. You you old white men you eh, whatever <laughs> there you go what can i say the shit went down and i was not ready you were the shit goes down and i was not ready when, you shit hey, go down. when the shit death, goes down death is close i don't have to uh, uh impress anybody anymore you know yeah it's true but at least we don't live i don't know uh in Long. russia yeah oh. <laughs> at least we haven't taken any deep sea dives to the titanic I mean, there's Did a you lot of see stuff. that that oh, that was the funniest part was that the one of the millionaires has a son-in-law who turned it into basically an Instagram story about how he he he, wanted, he was basically trying to use sympathy points to meet uh, Adam Divine from Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, good lord! Okay, that's, it was like that's yeah, pretty gross. I think I, I know maybe it looks weird, but my dad would have wanted me to go to the Blink One Eighty Two show. Oh and, my god! Uh, was this yeah, a Make a Wish so Foundation? Awesome. Good lord! I don't know. He ended up pulling down, of course, his whole account, like you do. Yeah, but I thought would. I thought that was so tacky and awesome. I, I mean, you know, all those people who went down in that little sub should have known better. I mean, 
it just everything was just janky all around from what i could tell you mean so it's like the release that said you're almost certainly going to die doing this like three times it mentions <laughs> this it's like uh that might be a red flag yeah and then uh after the fact the the with james cameron is now everywhere because i've been down to the titanic 33 times and i'm an expert it's like sit down and shut up and just make your 500th avatar movie so God i do think it's it. interesting that before you know like they they started those tours he wrote everybody saying this design is flawed it's going to implode yeah and then the morning the the story came out he wrote a bunch of people saying they're not lost it imploded yeah, yeah. You know? i'm just hopeful my, my daughter posted a tweet that says i think any billionaires that are drowning underwater right now should pull themselves up by their bootstraps yeah yeah <laughs> that's good there was a lot of uh pseudo tasteless uh memory that went around with that one i must say yeah, but I, I, I really hope it doesn't affect the bottom line of something like Virgin Galactic. Yeah, because damn it, I want that to succeed as well. Good news, though, only 78 people drowned on a refugee boat like a day or two earlier. And yeah. nobody covered it because, you know, because it's poor. poor people. Yeah. 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 So welcome to our world. It's been a fine time. <laughs> when the I love goes that down. reaction, though. Poor people drown. Ah, fuck them. They weren't going to do anything. Rich people <laughs> no. drown. Oh, dude, I would do so, so much coke. If I was that yeah, rich, really. shit. Much like we're doing another bump and let's get ready for the fresh shit. Why don't you say that? This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. Uh, it's, well, full disclosure, it's been a while since we've... Been a while. Been a while. Mm-hmm. Been a while. It's been a while. Since we've uh, done a show because we've had some time off and, you know, life stuff and whatever. Uh, so I imagine that Brian's got a hundred things to talk about. I do, and, but I'm going to keep it civil. Yeah, because um, Brian among us is the one that actually goes out and does stuff. Yeah, uh, whereas yeah. Eric and I kind of so, just don't. Let's play the hits here. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Let, let's. I still haven't seen it. Is it All any right. good? Better so, than the first? What's that? Is it better than the original? No. <laughs> okay. Sequelitis. Got it, it. It is. Well, first of all, it's just not as fun right. or as funny. Like it's taking itself much more seriously. Um, now it, it it's it's a money maker, so it's not right. like it's snuck through. Yeah. Well, so what it is is it's still really good. It's just got a whole different tone to it, right? And these guys, the one thing that they did do is they one up themselves on like. The first movie was this sort of dam-breaking moment in 3D animation where it was just like this crazy new style and and really sort of breaking down the barriers and saying, hey guys, we're not even scratching the surface of what's possible here. This movie doubles down on that hard. Um, like, is is just as shocking to watch as that first one was because Every character, you know, is from a different dimension and every dimension has its own art style and they're all right. happening at once. And was, it's uh, fucking was, crazy. Was Spider-Ham in this one as well? Um, Briefly, very Damn briefly. It. That was but, my favorite part of the... Yeah, like Spider-verse. I said, this is not as funny. Um, well, we've got a whole bunch of different characters, right? So it's like a... So they're they're really leaning into the multiverse thing on this one. Uh, I'm guessing. Oh yeah, yeah. Which no, is like, astonishing because of all the time that it takes to make an animated movie, uh, they really predicted the curve in a big way. So I got to give them props to that. 
I mean, the first one was a multiverse movie. Right. It was, but it, it was, was the into was, the Spider Verse. But it was pretty much the first one. They were sort of the leading edge of yeah. what is now uh, just the standard. Because so. they could take a risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's again, that's probably why uh, it's it's a cartoon. Nobody had to take it seriously at the studio. Right. It's like, right. oh, go do what you want. Gotcha. But okay. The the fact of the matter is that you know they animated the the characters on different frames, you know, like on twos or whatever. Like each character is being animated in its own way at its own frame rate in its own style, and the oh, backgrounds God. are constantly. Bl- it's like the most <laughs> like strobe effect, just completely fucked up. It it comes across like the whole thing was hand animated, frame by frame, by different people doing different styles. And well, like the uh, what was that uh, Richard Richard Linklater movie that he? Did oh, it's uh, it's so uh, much it's so much dark, more like, noisy than that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. fucking nuts. Like Damn they're it. fighting the vulture, and the vulture is a Leonardo da Vinci drawing, but Gwen Spider Gwen is is like watercolor, and Miles is what he was in the last movie, and the background. Okay. It's, it's I mean as, at least wow. at least they tried something different, you know. Oh no, it's good. It's good. Okay. It's just not okay. better than the best Spider-Man movie ever made. <laughs> okay. <laughs> clear. Clear. We're clear. Okay. Uh like they do Spider-Punk and Spider-Punk has different parts of his body animated in different styles and at different frame rates. It's nice. It's it's okay. completely wild. Um right. so worth here's, it, worth worth the stream. Definitely worth the stream. Okay. Here's the thing that they really should have told you going in. It's a cliffhanger. Oh god damn it. Oh jerks. Yeah, the next Why? one comes out like next year, early next year. <laughs> is it too much to ask to just have a contained story every yes. time you go to a movie? I mean, it yes, just it that's ridiculous. Come on. My wife was pissed. Like they ended the movie and she's like, it's like what? You know, no. <laughs> no. You don't I mean, because it doesn't even like wrap up its A plot. It just stops oh and that sucks and, man and it's like she was just angry like they need to tell you that going in like they i've seen yeah. things that have cliffhangers that like also tell a story this is bullshit <laughs> yeah, no doubt. it's really annoying i hate that that's now their thing because they just have to keep the ips going yeah but that's not that's on. not the way marvel's done it right like marvel tells a complete story and then they just give you little like hooks they don't just do a straight up like and to be continued which this totally does. Okay. Yeah. You say so. All right. So, yeah, they they have like deep, deep Spider-Man references like Peter Parked Car, the talking Spider-Mobile up, makes an oh, appearance. God, God damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, Do they this have thing a, has all Peter, the different cameos. Peter, Peter Parkour. Oh, the, that's uh, good. Yeah. The, the urban acrobat Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure he's here. I, yeah. Dude, like, Every Spider-Man is here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, it's good. Definitely check it out when his streaming. It's it's very very good, but it's not as good as the original. All right. Okay. So the fa- the Falcon or the the Vulture is the villain in this one, though. No, no, the no? villain is a character called the Spot, which is a Miles Morales film. That's the nice thing. This is a true sequel to the first one. The okay. villain is created as a result of the events in the first one, and. He sucks as a villain, but he keeps getting more powerful and he has no control over his powers and creates the whole problem. Uh, and he's played <laughs> okay. by, um, oh, God damn it. Who's the guy in all the Wes Anderson's fil- films who's not uh, Luke or Owen Wilson? The 
the, Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman, yeah, he's voiced okay. by Schwartzman. Okay. Um, gotcha. So yeah, uh, definitely good. Definitely watch it. And then the other movie I'll bring this week um, is Fast X. Oh God, uh, Brian! If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. I didn't give them any money. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't good actually man. go to the theater for this. Um, okay, if you're saying then that this is an experiment, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> was it better than Jason X? I just have. To I didn't know. see Jason X. I don't well, know. Well, okay. It, was interestingly it hard enough, not calling the movie facts. Yeah. So or, it's Fast X, and I think it's called Fast X because it is a direct sequel to Fast Five, which is the only other movie in this series that is named like that, Fast something, right? Yeah, um, maybe that's my main problem with this. Of five. Yeah, my main problem with this entire fucking series is that they aren't consistent with their titling at all. It's that's- just the most annoying... I think it's uh, hilarious at this I point. I mean, but it, but yeah, but it's like I, I, I think I've told you this story. I think it was when, uh, when Fast Five came out, or maybe it was whatever the sixth one was, which I don't know. Uh, but I had some people at work that were talking about going to see it. I'm like, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not as good as, as uh, Fast Four. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, I'm like, that's just it. There's no naming convention to this entire series, so it's just you know, get over it. I, so, I, 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 only one question about this movie. Is it about family? Of course it's about family. <laughs> it's about family. <laughs> no. Um, so it, it, would, it continues uh, to be like the Pierce Brosnan version of James Bond, right? It's globe trotting all over the place. <laughs> the tech is ridiculous and the set pieces are, are completely goofy. There is a scene in Rome with a flaming pinball of death basically rolling towards the Vatican. Um, our bad guy now is Jason Momoa, who is being retconned, edited into the end of Fast Five. They recycle a whole scene from Fast Five as an action sequence. They just kind of stick it into this with occasional cutaways to how's, Jason how's Momoa. How's the Paul Walker CGI in Fast X? I there isn't any. They just cut. They just show him in Fast Five. Um, they just drag in his dead body? That's gross. <laughs> yeah. He's like um, an animatronic at this point. He's like the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. It's good but, stuff. But like... Jason Momoa's character is basically the Joker, um, like the 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 Dark Knight Joker. He, oh God, he's and and it's like okay. So when we were making the the Rebel Strike, the Star Wars game, right? And every time we had to go back to the Emperor in a cutscene, we realized that the script was just Darth Vader going to the Emperor and being like, "The Rebels have screwed things up and gotten away," and the Emperor is like, "It is as of no consequence." Everything is proceeding according to my design, you know, and, and he says this like, you know, four or five times, like no matter what the rebels do, it's always his, the emperor's plan. Right. Yeah. That's Jason Momoa in Fast X. Like no matter how his plans get fucked up, somehow it was all part of his bigger plan. To... Does he does he ever blah, say blah, blah. it's cool, bruh? I mean, probably, but he's I playing mean... a, an, a sort of an effeminate version of the Joker. Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. These movies are made to be hate watched. Like they know, they know what they are. They know why people are watching it, and they know that people are like, "Fuck this movie!" Going in, and they yeah. don't. They, they cater just, to that. I just can't. Like when the first one came out, it was just you know part of that late nineties, early aughts, like race car action movies, and it's got no resemblance to any of the stuff now. I mean, at one at some point, they just decided they would just turn it into an, an international uh, espionage 
whiz bang pow bigger faster stronger i mean it just doesn't the whole series doesn't make any sense to me at all no it's 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 just its own brand of stupid but here's <laughs> the big thing about it right it's a cliffhanger oh god my wife is like you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> I mean, what's the next one? Like furious again. I mean, Who what are they going to call it? Right. <laughs> I have this idea. Okay. Uh, it, it would be basically uh, fast and furious zero. And the whole movie is just the guy in film school who has this, he, he, he's talking with his professor. He's like, I got this idea. It's like cars and racing and, and, and theft and family and the whole, you know, <laughs> and, and the, 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 the professor in front of the whole class humiliates him and says, you're fucking stupid. You know, that, that's, that's about nothing. It's just, just, you know, car porn and, you know, just dumb, stupid. I'm going, you know, going ha 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 and your dumb idea. And so this guy's whole life becomes basically getting revenge on his professor by always making movies that are intentionally worthless it's like that sounds like lucas in love but with a a more modern twist but with hate yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got a better i've got a better way to deal with this franchise and it works great from fast X. is it does it include dynamite kind of does it have family no family? here here here's the beauty okay so if this isn't a cliffhanger if you just say all right actually all of our heroes are dead. Our new protagonist <laughs> is Jason Momoa, who just killed everybody. And now he's going to go try to kill The Rock, which is the, the end credit scene. Then, like, you could ditch the entire cast and just do new movies. And, and he, he was the hero and he won <laughs> in Fast huh. X and we're done. <laughs> I still don't care. It's not a cliffhanger. I'm... Aquaman wins. I'm... I think. <laughs> of the whole series i think i've seen the first one and i think i saw fast five from one of our other shows for something those are literally the only two i've ever seen from start to finish i, I just i, I can't I've seen these. one i yeah. saw one uh like when there's nothing on on cable and it was the third one which apparently has no connection to any of the other films it was like this one-off oh tokyo drift yeah yeah it just took place in a different everything was different and and I, I think uh, uh, Vin Diesel shows up in the very, very end, but otherwise no connection to the other films. I, I like that. Yeah. I like yeah. that it was an extra waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh. if you want to see John Cena teach a kid to get his first on-screen kills with a rocket launcher, that's what this movie is. This kid straight Part up order. murdering people in the climax, okay. and we're supposed to be rooting for him. I just yeah. feel like this is just a huge letdown, because from what I understand, the last one is they actually went into space or some shit. So how do you top that? You know, you, the you action don't. is still fun and and goofy. It's just not space. But okay. I mean, again, like they know, they know right. what they're doing. They know okay. what movies they're making. Yeah. They're yeah, they're they're just straight up dumb. Okay, uh, whatever. You. Anyway, other fresh shit. Let's go. <laughs> uh, I'll kind of piggyback on that because I did see something that's probably the antithesis of Fast X. <laughs> uh, I finally saw the unbearable weight of massive talent with Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal, <laughs> and it's it's fun. I was, yeah. I mean, I knew it would be good, but I wasn't prepared for how just stupidly fun it is watching Nick Cage just be uh, a satiric version of Nick Cage, understanding what Nick Cage is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny <laughs> when the scenes where he's interacting with his imaginary younger self who's all just bluster and balls and vinegar and piss and bullshit he's like you gotta just fucking do it do it uh 
where his older self was very <laughs> calm and collected and just no man no it was just fun to watch because it was a nice wink and a nod to like uh when he did the the twins uh mm-hmm. back in the 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 ah, fuck i can't remember the movie now I was, i'm so dumb uh adaptation yes adaptation oh right uh but it was also that was like every single person in there has some idea about nick cage from whatever their favorite nick cage movie yeah. is and it's always like you know con air or the rock or whatever and then you get to tiffany haddish who's the fbi agent and she's like bringing in that moonstruck motherfucker you know it's like so <laughs> it's like yes yes finally somebody gene in his that movie i thought yeah. that there was a, a piece missing uh in there somewhere like at one point they they show up and the the fbi agent is dead on the floor and you yeah. can tell there was a whole scene that was shot yeah. and just never used probably because it was too dark yeah well I'll, i oh, mean and they probably cut it for time the, oh, I've seen it. Yeah, okay. I saw it uh, months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did like the twist where, and spoiler alert, folks, uh, when Pedro Pascal turns out not to be the cartel leader, mm-hmm. and then that unravels like the entire perception of what's going on, and, and then you start thinking back to the beginning. It's like that's why he's such a dork in this entire movie. It yeah. just like it killed me. Like, well, how is he the leader of a fucking cartel? And then you find out he's not. So it made perfect sense. But they don't ever spoon feed that to you. So I thought my, it was a really, really clever way. My introduction to Pedro Pascal was uh, Narcos. I don't know about you guys, but like yeah. I first saw him in Narcos and he was such a badass in that. And like everything he's done since then, with the exception of Mandalorian, has been sort of a slow walking back of that to say, I'm yeah. just a goof. I'm just yeah. dorky. Oh, wait, he was also in, in uh, Game of Thrones, wasn't he? I think so. I think yeah. So. And then, of course, Wonder Woman eighty four. He's in like everything, and he's in the yeah. Last of Us, and he, yeah, he's dude's getting work. So, yeah. so it was good. Uh, I have to give a, a chef's kiss to it because it was just it was a good way to to deconstruct uh, the mythos of yeah. Nick Cage. So, as far I, as I can tell, so there was the in the in the intervening time. There's there was the we didn't have E three because they kind of imploded, but we did have the Summer Game Fest, and they got they brought out Nick Cage. Uh, because Nick Cage is a character in this game called Dead by Daylight, which is like right. this horror movie mashup. And he's like, well, it's a heightened version of myself. That's this actor known as Nick Cage, who is in this game. And I'm <laughs> like, it's the same character from the unbearable weight of massive talent. Is in yeah. The video game. Yeah, it's just it's it's kooky. Did you so, ever uh, see uh, um, the Adam Sandberg Nick Cage thing on Saturday Night Live? Here's a quick clip. Okay, as everyone knows, my dream as an actor is to appear in every film ever released. (laughs) However, until now, I've only been able to muster a measly 90%, bringing shame upon my dojo. Sure, of, of course. But fortunately, today, science has prevailed, and I'm proud to announce that my cloning experiment has finally come to fruition. I'm sorry, cloning experiment? Well, that's exactly right, Seth. I am his clone. Oh. Well, that does make sense, because you two are identical in every way. Not in every way, Seth. Well, while physically we are exactly the same, there are some slight differences personality-wise. Yes, for example, this Nick is calm and stealthy, 
like a ninja warrior. Whereas this Nick is an exaggerated, screaming psychopath who really just doesn't exist. Oh, oh that's a good you, one. You motherfucker. <laughs> that's a go. good one. Uh-huh. I'll find it. It's all right. Uh, so, pardon me, more water coming up. I uh, Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of it, like, sort of, was a helpful display to others of why I love Nick Cage as an actor. He's just a goof, you know? Everyone's yeah. like, oh, he's so dramatic. He's taking himself so seriously. He never took himself seriously. And I think this movie kind of proves it. Yeah. I thought we were, we were talking about it afterwards. We we're like, if they couldn't have gotten Nick Cage, who could they have done this with? The only other person I can think of is Bruce Willis. And he has no sense of humor. But I mean, <laughs> I like that. I think they knew it, too. And that's why Demi Moore is his movie wife in the end. Yeah, it's good. It was a good shot. Uh, so yeah, it was it was very enjoyable. I have Nick to say, Cage got like, you know, like IRS debts or something. He's like taking no, he's anything. done. He's, he's done now. He's paid off his debts. Okay, so we had to endure like fifteen years of uh, like direct to video, yeah, direct to streaming, just nonsense. Because the is, man likes to work. His IMDb he, page is nuts. He would have like yeah. three or four movies come out a year. Which means yeah. he was just not stopping. And then in like his interviews, he's like, well, you know, they may be quote unquote, you know, shitty movies, but he's like, I never phoned it in. He's like, I always this came to work. So it's like, so mm-hmm. even if he's in a really shitball movie for the cash, he's still gonna give a Nick Cage performance. <laughs> so that's I sort of love him. Yeah. And so that's sort of the throw through line for for this unbearable way to bass and talent. It's just sort of he's he's in this situation for the cash, but he's gonna do his damnedest to to do the Nick Cage that everybody yeah. expects. <laughs> so I thought that it was a nice little touch of the little chef's kiss. So enjoyable. Have we ever nice. done a Nick Cage uh, episode? We, no. No, Nick he Cage. showing up because he does so many movies. But yeah. yeah. So you we'll know. have to have a Nick Cage-a-thon. That'll be my pick for the next next time uh, I'm up. Cage match. Subject. Cage match. Cage match. Oh, you <laughs> dick. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Chris, you got any other fresh shit? Uh, eh, nothing really worthwhile. All it's right, been Eric, a slow month. Bring it home. I saw Renfield. Another Nick Cage. A movie. Nick Cage. Yeah, it's a hey. double nicker. Yeah, a double uh, cage. Yeah, Nick Cage and uh, uh, Nicholas, Holt. Uh, Nicholas Holt, who were both in The Weatherman. Yeah. Nicholas Holt was Nick Cage's son in that. Uh, Wasn't that was a Gore Verbinski, right? We just yep. did Pirates of the Caribbean. So that was yeah. one of his uh, lesser known. Yeah. Oh, oh, it all it it's all connected. That's why yeah. nobody can get a job in Hollywood. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why the actor strike is so important. Uh, no. So I watched <laughs> Renfield, which bombed. And I can see why it bombed. But at the same time, this is a fun film. This, yeah. you know, it, it takes all of the. Uh, mythos of Dracula and his uh, his his what, what do you call it his familiar, his familiar Renfield yes. um, and you know not a lot of people know about Renfield but he was there all the time he's the guy who takes you know care of Dracula particularly in the day when he can't come out and yeah it's it, it's him in the 21st century like deciding he's going to be out on his own and the whole movie is structured around a toxic relationship, like mm-hmm. as if Dracula was his uh, abusive boyfriend. <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. But but it's like it's rarely like that specific. Right. Renfield goes to a support group to talk about his toxic relationship. And that frames the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
There's a side thing with Aquafina that isn't exactly a a relationship thing, you know. I I don't know what yeah, that she, was. She seems kind of crowbarred into the movie, right? Yeah, a little bit. But she is she is working. You know, it's like everything they wrote for um that they wrote a lot of tonally deaf stuff that was like about relationships and family and trust and family. And it, it was it's <laughs> like you didn't need that. This is this is a comedy about these two guys. Leave it at that. And yeah. When I saw the trailer for it, it kind of gave me vibes of uh, the tick of all things. Yeah. Mostly because of that one genius episode where Arthur gets shunted into the sidekick lounge while the tick is in the regular superhero club. And so you get that sort of peek into what it's like to be the sidekick that nobody cares about. (laughs) It's just, it was such a funny concept. It's also very tick like in that it's hyper violent. Like hyper violent to you know for laughs, right? The blood a- a- and gore is sort of it's sort of, it's cartoonishly bad. You almost want to go, oh, the effects in this are awful, but you realize if they'd have done it photorealistically, it would have an X rating because <laughs> the violence is so extreme. But I loved that. I I I kind of yeah. I I've always I always loved super violence in films, and so you get it here. But I can see why this failed. Because it is very formulaic. It is a Marvel superhero movie, only with Renfield. Okay. And and Dracula is trying to take over the world, so they have the oversized stakes. It's Boom. <laughs> it's got problems. But <clears throat> watching it just to hear uh, Nick Cage say "Hail Satan" at the end is <laughs> is worth it. it. Is so Nicolas Cage. I mean, it's the guy that made it. Also did what the Lego Batman movie, I think. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I could I could see how there's probably little bits and pieces here and there that might actually uh, ah Chris McKay yeah uh, give a little flavor to it yeah directing and editing for three seasons of Robot Chicken two seasons of Moral Oral Lego Batman movie <laughs> and the Tomorrow War Moral Oral holy crap I love yeah. that show it's <laughs> so disturbed yeah okay I I liked Redfield I thought it was I thought it was fun Nick Cage is yeah. hamming it up hardcore in this thing he's 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 gone full out. Uh, did you enjoy the little bit where they actually did the flashbacks in the style? I thought I loved that. Yeah, the they, they they weren't in the style. They like they they edited their heads onto the original. Uh, oh, really? It was yeah. that far. Uh-huh. I didn't realize it was that. <laughs> I thought. They oh were, yeah. I thought they were at first. I thought, sets. wow, that's so smart. They shot all this stuff, and then I looked at a couple of you know. I, I saw some things wrong. Like, no, I totally recognize this from the original. Nice. The original, wow. by the way, very worth watching again, very watchable. And I I highly recommend everyone go see uh, Dracula with the Philip Glass uh, score that he ended up. He, he like redid the music for the film. And it is just thrilling. Mm-hmm. For the for the Stoker, the 38 version. Yeah. OK, interesting. All right. But uh, yeah, this was not bad. I mean, that's like most of the Nick Cage stuff lately. It's like you watch it, just like, yeah, it wasn't bad. I have yet to watch one that I really went, wow, that was amazing. It's been yeah. so long since I've seen a Nick Cage movie where I did oh, that. Eric's going to say Mandy here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nick Cage oh, well, would say Mandy. Here. I wish everyone would see Mandy, but yeah, so few people have seen it. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's just one of those weird things. Like, uh, like Snake Eyes was on a while back and I, I was watching part of that which is you know allegedly like a one long take the palma film circling around 
Cage is the detective not, in not Atlantic to be City. Confused with the GI Joe movie. No, no. Okay, this one came well before that. But it's like <laughs> he's wearing a snakes and snakeskin jacket, and he's uh sort of a an on the take Atlantic City cop who gets embroiled in this whole like espionage thing where someone's trying to kill a political figure or whatnot. Blah blah blah. Uh, and I'd forgotten that the movie itself is not very good, but he's actually quite good in it, which is sort of that's the best descriptor of Nick Cage that I can give you for his entire oeuvre. It's just he's always the best thing about the movie he's in. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no there's no other explanation for his career longevity other than he's just good uh, and he's he'll elevate star. your yeah, he's, he'll he's elevate your star. Because so he's, he's fun to watch. You can't yeah. take your eyes off him. Yeah. Well, he's so idiosyncratic, too. His his whole uh, acting vibe is just like nitroglycerin. It's like you never know when it's just going to go off. He's so unpredictable, even now. And I think that's part of his magic. So when you're a hiring, when you're a, like a producer or whatever, and you're like, I just need something that's unpredictable. Get me Nick Cage, you know, and then they'll, they'll do what they can with him. So... <laughs> There you go. All right. Anything else, Eric? Yep. All right. Let's get on with the show. Uh, all right. So uh, this week, another round of, hey, I should get around to watching that movie someday. Um, How did you miss this one, by I, the way? You know, I just did. Okay. Uh, when did it come out, actually? Same about- weekend as Thor. Yeah, 2011. Really? Okay. That's that's why I I didn't hear of it when it came out is because there was just too much shit floating around. <laughs> yeah, this... I think when I first heard of it was uh, was early 2011 because it had done the South by Southwest Film Festival, and so I was living in Austin at the time, obviously, and mm. so it got a lot of buzz, a lot, yeah. a lot of buzz. See, it's like everybody came out saying this was the best thing at the festival. La, 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 la. Anybody want to even... describe what it's about? Well, what we're talking about? Sure. Attack the Block is a movie. Um, I guess it was made in 2011. Yep. Um, it uh, stars John Boyega as Moses. Role. Yeah. Um, he now. So this was this was how I heard about the movie was, uh, you know, he was in Star Wars. And and so when when for. Uh, shit what was it force awakens was that what it's called i don't remember yeah yeah when that one came out like that was when everybody was like oh dude john boyega he made his big you know star turn and attack the block which ruled go see it and i'm like what the fuck was that how did i miss it (laughs) uh anyway directed by joe cornish uh and uh also includes jody whittaker and nick frost and a whole bunch of other british actors that i don't remember uh, but basically, it's all set in a council estate in South London, and it's a, a low-budget monster movie with alien monsters invade yeah. and it and they attack the block, as it were. Yeah, John and Boyega they... and his crew try and mug Jodie Whittaker, and in the middle of the robbery, an alien comes slamming into a nearby parked car and destroys yeah. it. And and what I love about this movie, first off it's one of those few movies that actually hits the ground running. You know, there is no, and now we have to listen to these two people talk to each other so we can find out who they are and have these other two people talk to them. No, we're going right into something yeah. happening and you learn everything you need to know about them by watching them do stuff. Which makes it so much better in my estimation. 
Yeah. Like you, you kind of get little trickles here and there about who these people are. And by the end, like they've totally given you the complete character arcs and it's just, It's, it's very well done. It's like 10 minutes to the end of the film. And we're still learning new stuff about John Boyega's character because uh, uh, the nurse has to go to his apartment. Like it's part of the whole plan, a very, mm-hmm. a pretty smart plan, I thought, for getting rid of the aliens. But she's looking through his apartment and looking very closely at all the stuff that's there. It's like, oh, this is who this guy is. It's like you're getting pieces, but in dribbles because it's not fucking important to the yeah. story. You know, it so comes you're getting them both at, a, at the same time. It's yeah. well done. It comes in at a at a flat eighty nine minutes. Yeah, right. This movie it's astonishing. is an old school action monster movie in the vein of why well, hell in the vein of Predator. Yeah, if, on a if super I would. low budget. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, budget notwithstanding, the the aliens in this thing are just cool in my estimation. I mean, it's just yeah. they're all just just dark black void shadowy, and then those just glowy blue neon teeth that look like yeah. eyes at some points, but then it's like a big gaping mob, but it's just, it's very stylized and iconic the way they Pure do it. black. Yeah. Like I it's think, just nothing. Yeah, I think the aliens could have been done better, but I thought that the conceit that they were, you know, like raw, deep black, like made it easier for them to do this on a budget. So I yeah. respect that. It's like, you yeah. can see there's a lot of budget decisions made here, but I, I also like the decisions. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 totally. They didn't like make aesthetic decisions that would cost too much. Yeah. They they were like, what aesthetic decisions can we make that would inherently be cheaper? I like yeah. that. Well, and yeah, I also, I also that like it... that all of the kids, the cast in that, they were council kids that they found in drama classes, like nice. around. Really? Yeah, they went specifically to the poor neighborhoods and looking at their, the, yeah, the the the, the theater classes around those blocks and auditioned just those kids nice. and they also went to kids in those blocks and asked them if aliens invaded right now what weapons would you go get because they didn't <laughs> want them to pull yeah. out you know dumb shit everything they're grabbing whether you think it's effective or not it's like that's around somewhere yeah like, right even the even the drug kingpin has to call a friend to get another gun it's like the <laughs> Guns are not easily gotten. Yeah. And that no, was good. And that that must be why there's such an air of authenticity to just the dialogue. Like the way these characters yeah. talk to each other, it's it's so clearly real, right? It's yeah. probably half improvised, if not you know, mostly improvised. But the slang they're using, the the just the cadence of their their speech, the interactions between the characters, it I mean you just don't see a lot of this in anything like even, you know, British productions. This is, this is very much a, uh, you know, from the streets kind of, kind of thing, but but kids who ride bicycles. And I did appreciate it because they could have gone full Guy Ritchie on this and I'm glad they didn't. Uh, They kept it much more true uh, to what they were doing. But my favorite bit about all of that, using the kids from the council estate is that they rarely swear yet you've got Jodie Whittaker who's this nurse 
who's just got this giant chip on her shoulder about them being little assholes because they've already because mugged, they her, mugged her and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And so she's just like, fuck this and fuck that. And the one kid finally goes, oh, you got a point math, don't you? It's like the kid just <laughs> called you out, little bitch. So it's just little little things like that that they pepper in to give it a lot more uh, oomph uh, for what they were doing. I just thought it was just, uh, you know, it, it wasn't an alien invasion movie, but it really was not so much that. It was all about, you know, the cultural statement about you know, people in the council estates and trying to get past that and the whole nine yards and like all of the prejudices that people have at different levels. Uh, so there's a lot going on, but it's all gussied up with this crazy invasion story. Uh, so that's always my favorite type of alien invasion movie where there's just, you know, that's sort of secondary to all the stuff that they're actually trying to accomplish. And I, I give him an A for effort on this one because it just it worked for me. Uh, and I can see why people raved about it when it hits South by Southwest. Yeah. So it's just, it's fun and funny. It's, it's tough to know how to feel about like, be, yeah, part of me is like, yeah, fuck these guys. They mugged her. You know, they're, you know, they're shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and to expect her to be okay with it. After, so I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah. Yeah. But she's yeah, not but, like, I, I think that's played reasonably. And the only reason, you know, they're forced together is the, you know the survival yeah survival right that's what that's that's why i think you know it was ultimately well done and to not justify them mugging her but to show the reason behind it you yeah. know mm -hmm. the the sort of economic realities of some of the kids who live there yeah yeah that or deal drugs well my i think my favorite aspect of it too is that they just didn't even bother to over explain why the aliens were there it's just sort of yeah. like they hit and then the shit starts to fly and then they start theorizing through the the help of the the guy that's like the university yeah. student i mean uh, as soon as you saw him watching there's like a nature documentary yeah, yeah. on mars it's like well that's why you know yeah. like it's right there and, and then that's when they come out so basically it's like there's one female which they've already killed because they're little shits uh, and now they've got all the pheromones on them. So that's why this pack of wild, crazy, feral alien, like bear dogs or whatever, <laughs> is trying to kill them all. And I thought that's just, it's so simple, but it it's so perfect. They don't have to over explain it. It just happens, you know? Think about that for, for just a minute from the perspective of like, there are no humans interfering with this mating ritual, right? So the female lands on a planet and then just like a dozen males attack and gang rape her or something yeah. like that's how these aliens roll. But uh whatever that's why there's a movie yeah uh one other thing about the design of the of the aliens with the pitch blackness i couldn't get past you remember on mtv they ran a series called the max yeah like trying to pick up that aeon flux but uh audience something about this alien design just screams the max at me <laughs> i mean it's yeah it's got that sort of vibe i think <laughs> yeah uh but, you know, again, it's just it's economical. It works. I mean, one of the producers on this is uh, Edgar Wright because uh, Joe Cornish had worked on some other stuff. And I think he, I think they, they both wrote the Tintin movie for Spielberg. Uh, so Cornish is part of that sort of crew. This, like if you compare this Attack the Block to Edgar Wright's Alien Invasion movie the, at the world's end, uh, they are so different, like. Edgar Wright is just a frenetic, smash cut, addicted type of filmmaker. 
And if you tried to put that on Attack the Block, this movie would not have been any good in my estimation. It just, it would have been a totally different vibe. It would have just fallen apart. So you get Joe Cornish doing the best version of an Edgar Wright movie where Edgar Wright is really not doing much at all except, you know, producing. And so it's, it, to me, it's a good sort of contrast between those two. And that's always interesting to me when I watch because it, it immediately makes me want to go back and watch World's End just to go, oh, Attack the Block is so much better. So Attack the Block <laughs> does have its share of like movie cliches. Oh, it's yeah. like where what they saved on budget they were still like yeah but we're still trying to make you know a a a movie that you've seen before aliens invade we have to come together with whatever we've got lying around to fight them and we have to win you know Uh, yeah but i mean it's just it's just nice that that it wasn't aliens that are just hell-bent on taking over the earth like invasion of the body snatchers or invaders right. from Mars, or one of those types of deals. It was just literally just a, a you know a bunch of feral space dogs who just need <laughs> to get it on so they could perpetuate their species. I mean, it's like <laughs> that's just it's so ridiculous on the face of it as the impetus for this entire thing. So I appreciate that aspect anyway. This movie is a diehard, by the way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, to an extent, it is. You know, I mean, to to the extent that any you know like. Die Hard movie is kind of like Die Hard. This is the same, you know, ticking clock trapped in a specific location. Yeah. Uh, I feel so like you're the rules tele- of a Die Hard. I feel like you're telegraphing our next show, by the I way. Am. <laughs> I am. Good job. Good job. Wow. Yeah. Foreshadowing on the Magnificently <laughs> Huge podcast. Uh, I do have to say, though, that uh, of all the characters in this thing, I think my favorite were the two little kids, Probs and Mayhem. <laughs> just so desperately want to be in Moses's gang, but they're always just kicking him to the side because they're like eight, you know, and yet they end up saving the day more than once. It's just hilarious to watch these little kids just, just be as, like, yeah, just as Squirrel Girl is the only other Marvel superhero to kill Thanos. They are the only two characters who can kill an alien yeah. in this movie. Just I mean, just them and Moses. That's yeah. it. But I love it. it's like they're little eight year old kids, but they've got more swagger than yeah. anybody else. Even the even the big drug dealer. I mean, it's just those kids were hilarious. I like so. how like they're like you're never gonna get like no one's gonna call you mayhem if you act like that. You know? <laughs> <You're> <laughs> pussy. Don't be a pussy. It's like um, oh dude. They did they did uh, do one really dumb thing though, which was they had a super soaker full of gasoline, and also when they needed the light, they bin? had a fucking bic lighter, right? Which like maybe don't light that after using the super soaker full of gas. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. In in the in the paper recycling bin. Yeah. No. Yeah. Less. Yeah. But good, you know, good plan. What can you do? Uh, but the other thing I really truly appreciated about the way that Cornish did this is there are actual stakes. I mean, we lose a couple of these kids along the way. Yeah. And that was just that's not something you see a lot of uh, in movies like this where kids are the stars. It's like what holy shit and it's like gruesome deaths too so it was it was like more power to you man you just went for it i thought that was a very good beheading because you didn't see it but you saw his head go flying oh yeah Mm -hmm. and wearing the helmet just so that like they could easily throw a helmet across the room instead of a head (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it also proves the point it's like that helmet no protection against these things it's like come on Mm -hmm. and then there they are they're fighting with like bats and samurai swords and uh, toy guns and whatever. I mean, it was just like you said, like, like just they're grabbing whatever they can find. Uh, and then the kids get the one kid's got like the giant 
firework stash with like bottle rockets and whatnot. Yeah. I and mean, it was just, it was like an arsenal. <laughs> it was like, holy shit. So the fact that it's said on Guy Fox Day, uh, I think was a Which nice I don't touch. Think they actually said, did they? I mean, no, no I think they, they, they allude just... to it where they, they keep saying, this, it's not Halloween anymore. Cause yeah. Guy Fox Day is like the day after Halloween. It's like so a bonfire day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess if we were, you know, from Britain, we'd probably get it. But, mm. uh, but as stupid Americans, it's, it takes a little bit of time. But the fact that there's like fireworks just going off consistently all over the place. So nobody notices this bunch of aliens just crashing into earth <laughs> and all yeah. of the, the mayhem that's happening at the tower block. I mean, it's just, it was a nice way to sort of shift all of the focus away from people panicking the streets and just get to this core group. So I enjoyed that. Well done. So, yeah, I don't I, I, like the movie. It's hard. It's hard to really expound on this much more. It's a tight movie. It's short. It's focused. There's not a lot for us to riff on here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I really just wonder why Joe Cornish doesn't get more work as a director, because he's just he's not done anything else except the kid who would be king uh, like hmm. uh, like three or four years ago. And so it's just sort of astonishing that he makes this kind of debut and it's a very sure hand, but nobody's given him any work. It's just, I wish he would get more work is what I'm saying. I liked his stuff. All right. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> nobody has to expound on that. So I think Yay. that's good enough for what, for a show. Hey everybody. Uh, if you like the show, share it on social media feeds, subscribe to the podcast and uh, rate us on iTunes. If you want to reach out, go to our website, maghuge.com, M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com, and there you'll find links to all our socials. We're at maghuge on Twitter, because I guess we're still on Twitter, because it hasn't crashed yet, and there's a bunch of other stuff. And you can email us, magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com, and if you're lucky, we might borrow that a check. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll see you next week. When the shit goes down, you better be ready. When the shit goes down. <laughs> 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 <laughs>